Okay, so on April the 14th, 2013, you can say you were at Dorsville Baptist Church when they showed the craziest sermon video ever. Mark that down. Someone asked me today, goes, exactly, Pastor, where do you get your sermon titles? I said, well, I like to think from God, but that's what I don't know about. That's what I don't know about. But I love it. It's a, it's a joke. It's a story that I've known since I was, oh, probably like 20 years old. You know, I'm, I'm always a fan of corny jokes, and I heard that one. And, and well, about two weeks ago on Wednesday nights, you know, we were preaching through Psalms, and we preached an incredible Psalm, Psalm 40. And I told him that night, I said, we need to teach this on a Sunday morning. And, boy, the way the schedule worked out, I said, this is the week. And the psalm is about the opening of our mouths, and you, you probably sense it through the worship, to praise the incredible God that we serve. And, and the little big mouth frog, and I know it said wide mouth, but I always heard it big mouth. The little big mouth frog, his nature was a very open mouth. And, and he was content in that. He was happy in that. And then something happened. He met someone who liked to eat little big mouth frogs. And in fear, he went, ooh. And how many times as believers in Christ, we know we've, we've got this incredible thing in Jesus Christ. We, we've experienced God's grace and we've been set free and then something comes along, a person who likes to eat believers in Jesus, or we're in a group that that's not very popular, or someone quenches our spirit and we find ourselves going, ooh. And today, the whole message, if we can leave today just encouraged about who we are in Jesus Christ and who our incredible God is, it will be a wonderful day at Dorsal. In fact, by the way, in case you haven't figured it out, it already has been. So our psalm today is Psalm 40. We're going to look at the first 10 voices, verses until or until I cut it off. Okay? This is one of those loaf of bread things. We can whack it off where we need to. And it's a psalm of David. Now, David's a really cool. David is the Old Testament Peter. David had some incredible failures. David had some incredible successes. Um, it was you know, Peter in the New Testament who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And, and Jesus said, Yay! And then we got David, who, who the prophet said, he's a man after God's own heart. Yay, but that same guy is the guy who had an affair with Bathsheba. It's the same guy who had the husband killed. Um, it's the same guy who later on, because of his disobedience, 70,000 people died. But God could still use him because of God's amazing grace. So, so David had enough failures in his life to really appreciate what God had done for him. So take your Bibles, Psalm number 40, and let's look at how we don't want to be a little big mouth frog. How we don't want to lose our identity, how we don't want to be squished, because we know God's incredible, and we want others to know exactly about that. So in Psalm 40, and I'll be using the Holman Christian Standard Version today, we read these words. He starts out with a lesson that he learned personally the hard way. Here's what he says. I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, this is something that's so difficult for us. And I think it was hard for, for David also. I waited patiently on the Lord. Hey, we're fixers. Hey, we're doers. Hey, when something's not exactly going right in our lives, we want to attack it and change something. Yet, David says, whoa, whoa, whoa. We need to learn to slow down. We need to learn to stop and wait upon the Lord. In Psalm 27, the scripture says this. Wait on the Lord. 
Be strong and courageous. Wait upon the Lord. You see, it takes self-control to pause. It takes self-control to wait. And, and, and then in Psalm 37, we read these words. It says, wait on the Lord. Rest in the Lord is another translation. And, 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 and expectantly wait on the Lord. In other words, expecting God to act. Expecting God to work on our behalf. Now, the question I post you is this. Why is this so hard? Why do we wrestle so much was simply waiting. I heard a, a sermon one time, a long time ago, and, and I think it was John Phillips, David. And, and John Phillips said these words. He says, you know, we had the old saying, just don't stand there, do something. And it should be, just don't do something, stand there. I mean, how many people of us are in marriages we should have never been in? Come on, you know it. You know, I love what Andy Stanley says. You know, he says, you know, sometimes ladies and sometimes guys, you know, we, we, we're kind of anxious for a spouse, you know, and we're, our clock is ticking. It's 28, 29 years old, 30 years old, and the clock is ticking, and, and someone winks at us the right way, and, oh, and we say, he, he's not much of a train. At least he's a train. He may be the last train out of town. He's not much of a train, but at least he's a train. How many of us really without consulting God jumped into a relationship? How many of you here today candidly would admit to yourself, I'm not even happy in my career. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time, and, and I was kind of needing to do something, so I did it. And you're in a career today that you don't even like. And I'm telling you, there's power in waiting upon the Lord. Why do we wrestle with this? Why have things happened in our life that we so deeply regret? And the reason is this. If I don't, it won't. We don't wait upon God because we, you know, if I don't take action, it won't get done. And what you're really saying is, I don't trust God. I don't believe God. I don't believe God can pull it off. And so I've got to do something because if I don't do something, something won't happen. Wrong, old bucko. Wait upon God. Young people, the best thing you can learn to do is Wait. When a guy asks you out, when a, when, when a girl winks at you, oh, when you're trying to decide what college to go to or what career to go through, if you're a Christ follower, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, wait, hold on. You know, one of the cool things I'm learning at age almost 60 is God really is sovereign. He really is in control. He really is working in processes in our lives. And he can be trusted. So David says, wait upon the Lord. I, I say, you know, wait upon the Lord. And look what he says, and. <laughs> write this down. If you're, if you're a note taker, write it down. If not, try to burn your memory. When it concerns God in your life and decisions you need to make, and when you're crying out to God in big ways, the question is never if. It's when and how. The question is never, will God show up? It's, how will God show up? And when will God show up? Now, that's a wrestling point because, again, we know what we want in our brain. We know that we have something in our brain and we want it. So that kind of conflicts with the how. And it's like the guy who prayed and said, Okay, God, I want patience and I want it now. It doesn't work. David says, Wait upon the Lord and 
He turned to me and heard my cry for help. Listen, God loves you as a Christ follower. Particularly, God loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. He wants you to wait upon him and act. Now, here's the deal. Does anyone remember how many years passed between Malachi and Matthew? 300 years. Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, he shouts to his prophet Malachi and then silence. And it was 300 years before God spoke again. But when he spoke, he shouted to the world, I love you and a man named Jesus is coming who will die on a cross and you can have forgiveness of sins because of my grace. Isn't that wonderful? So even when God is silent, he's working. Even when it seems like he's taking too long, he's working. Even when it seems like you don't like the answer that he gives on how he's going to act, he's still working. God can be trusted. He goes on and says this. He brought me up. This is how. He brought me up from a desolate pit. And when I spoke it on Sunday morning, when, or Wednesday night, when I think about that desolate pit, I think of hopelessness. I don't know what your hopelessness looks like. Maybe you really are. Maybe you are 30 years old and your goal was to have a happy marriage and it's just not happened. Maybe your goal was to, to, to find a maid and have children and it just hasn't happened. And to you that seems so hopeless. Maybe, maybe I remember a friend of mine in, 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 worked in Carbondale, had this boss who was just atrocious. And we would talk. He, he'd, he'd call me and say, I'll buy your lunch. I need a counseling session. I was his pastor. And over and over again, he worked for a, a real good place, but it's kind of like family. And once you've got a position, you're kind of guaranteed that position, kind of like tenure. And he goes, Wayne, I don't know if I can keep going. This guy's so horrible to work for. I said, Randy, you've got to trust God. Guess what? One day, the guy called Randy in his office and said, I need to tell you something. I'm taking a different job. Totally leaving the company he worked for. I mean, a company that offered great salaries and great benefits. He says, I'm leaving and going to work for another country, another company. And Randy realized that even when God is silent, God is working. And God brought him up out of his desolate pit. God brought him up from his hopelessness. And I think there's probably some believers here today who can tell you that I once was in a hopeless situation, but the God of hope showed up. Can you have an amen? The God of hope showed up. And I don't care how bad your situation is. I don't care how dark your circumstances. There's a God of hope and he will show up. He says that. He says, out of the miry, muddy clay. And the word that popped in my brain was frustration. Sometimes we get so frustrated. I, I have a vision, and I can't really remember where it was. Well, I do remember one place particularly. But have you ever walked in, in muddy clay? Not just mud. You know, mud gets your shoes wet. You know, muddy clay sticks to your shoes. Muddy clay was always my best bet for being six foot. Because it would keep sticking and sticking and sticking. And before long, there were like four inches of clay. And I looked around and said, I feel tall. I feel tall. But it's frustrating because it just it encumbers you. It, it restricts you. And you get so tight. And you get so frustrated. And David would say, hang on. Wait, because, listen, there's a God who can alleviate 
frustration. Because I know. I mean, Saul chased me all over the mountains, wanted to kill me. I had the opportunity to take his life, but I said, no. I'm going to trust my frustrations to God. The God who can eliminate frustration. And you know what? Six months after David had the opportunity to kill Saul, I mean, I mean, it was in his hands. Saul was killed in battle. And David was appointed king. He says, you just wait upon the Lord uh, uh, because he's going to turn to you. He'll hear your cry. He's going to bring you up out of the pit of hopelessness. He's going to lift you out of the muddy clay and he's going to set my feet on a rock making my steps secure. He not only pushes you out of the pit, not only cleans off the clay off your feet, but he sets your feet on a solid rock. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. He will put your feet not on squishy, ushy clay, not in a despair of hopelessness, but on a solid rock. And Christ is that rock. And I love what it says here when he says that, that making my steps secure. There's a verse in, of all places, Habakkuk. What about that? Habakkuk 3.19. The Lord is my strength, and he has made my feet like hinds' feet, and makes me walk on my high places. You go, what? It's one of those Bible words we go, huh? Well, the hind feet speaks of the rear feet of a deer. And what you may or may not know is when a deer is running, his front feet move, and his rear feet land where his front feet were. In other words, the rear feet know where to go because the front feet has always been already been there. So there's security, there's safety in that. And Christ is our forerunner. And when we choose to follow Christ, when we choose to wait upon God, He's already listen, here's an amazing thought for you. Do you know God doesn't know time? Did you know God's in your tomorrow? I mean, you don't, even, you don't have a clue if you're going to wake up tomorrow, what time you're going to wake up, you're going to have a flat tire, your schedule going to be changed. You have no clue. But you have, if you're a Christ follower, I'm going to give you a clue. Your God is already in your tomorrows. Come on, come on, God. And the day after, and the day after, your God knows every detail of your tomorrow. And if you'll follow Him and wait upon Him... Your feet will land where his feet has already been, and you will find safety and security. But when we get ahead of God, we find ourselves on unsure ground, and we get into trouble. David says, I know. Wait on God. Put your feet where he's already walked for safety and for security. And I love verse 3. Oh, he has put a new song in my mouth of him a praise to our God. And that's what this morning was all about. All the worship was about praising Him and lifting Him up. Because you see, when we become followers of Christ, the Bible says if any person be in Christ, He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 17. He not only makes us new, He puts a new song in our hearts. And if there's a new song, it implies there was an old song. You might say, well... Dwayne, what does the old song sound like? Well, 
here goes. This is probably a mistake. <clears throat> Hear the lonesome whippoorwill. He sounds too blue to fly. The midnight train is whining low. I'm so lonesome I could cry. That's what the old song sounds like. Listen, I read the, you know, Nanette knew some of these words. We, I was singing this going up the hallway. Isn't that kind of weird? And she broke in and knew the words. And I didn't know the words, but here's how they go. Listen, I've never seen a night so long. When the time goes crawling by, the moon just went behind a cloud to hide his face and to cry. Did you ever see a robin weep when leaves begin to die? That means he's lost the will to live. I'm so lonesome I could cry. That's the old song of the unbeliever. That's the song of the lost man. There's no hope. There's nothing. And Christ comes and puts his new song in our hearts. Come on. Come on. A new song. Sing with me. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. That's the new song. That's the new song. We, we have reason. We have cause. We have purpose to wake up every single day because we have a new life. We have a new Savior. And He gives us hope. He gives us peace. He gives us purpose. Our God is great. Our God is great. And we need to sing that song. See, my question is this. What song are you singing? Now, if you're here without Christ, if you've never met the incredible man called Jesus and experienced what he did on the cross, I understand what your song is. But my dear brothers and sisters, if you're a follower of Christ, what song are you singing? From the lips of a Christ follower should never come, I'm so lonesome, I could cry. I've lost my will to live. I'm so lonesome, I could cry. The song that we should sing would be one of how great is our God. How mighty to save is our God. The hope that our God gives. See, sometimes David pulls a trick. See, I'm musically challenged. Especially rhythm. Y'all know that. I, I'm a single tasker. Sometimes people will say, they'll say to me, said, did you see those 47 people who went up and got to go to the bathroom when you were preaching? I said, no. Because see, when I'm preaching, I'm preaching. I mean, all y'all could leave, and I would keep right on going. I mean, it's incredible. Okay, but, but So David sometimes, he does it on one song, I can't remember what it is. The boys have one part, and the girls have another. And he'll say, okay, men, you follow me, and I do good for a moment. But then Robin or Mama T kicks in over here, a singing, and all of a sudden I try to be a girl. See, it's, it's, I get confused. I'm easily confused. You've got to be careful what song director you follow. See, the, the, the God of creation is one song director and Satan's another. And there's nothing he loves more than the children of God to be singing the wrong song. He loves it. Listen, he can't have your soul. You can't lose your salvation. But I'm telling you what he can do. He can cause you to sing the wrong song. And that will discourage you and fill you with guilt. 
And also discourage others from ever following God. See, if you read the finish of that verse out there, it says this. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many, many, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. When we sing the right song, people want what we got. And they're pulled toward God. When we sing the wrong song, people don't want what we got and they run from God. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We live in a society today that looks at too many believers and they're singing the wrong song and it's like having the flu. And I say, I don't want the flu. But man, when God's children join up in courses of unison, how great and how mighty is our God. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. When they start hearing the right song in our lives, in our actions, in our minds, in our attitudes, in our words... They're drawn to that. And nothing, nothing draws them more to God than when you look at someone and say, I love you. I love you. I love you. Because our Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by the way you love one another. And when, and when our life sings a love song, yes, for God, but sings a love song for people who are hard to love. For people who are hurt, people who have wounded us, and we still sing a song of love because God loves them and we love them. Incredible things happen. And people go, I want that. I'm telling you guys, be careful what song director you listen to. Because he, the evil one, will lead you, lead you to sing the wrong song. It ought to be a big I mean, Brent's got a red shirt. If I could have him strip that off this morning, I'd ask you to, brother. And wave that thing. When you find yourself and the words coming out of your mouth are unkind, they're mean, they're filled with hatred, they're filled with bitterness, they're filled with, um, with loneliness, and, and I'm trying to think of the right word, they're, they're filled with discouragement. That's the wrong words. I laughed out loud. We went to a men's meeting a couple, three weeks ago, and Kevin Ezel was a speaker, and he's just an incredibly gifted speaker. He said, sometimes when I'm preaching, I just want to point to one of the brothers and say, Brother, would you please stand and lead us in a word of criticism? <laughs> you know, he said that night, and I agree with him, you know, check it out in the book. There is no gift of criticism. It's not there. Now, there is love and joy and peace and self-control. Amen? So be the kind of person who speaks and sings the right song. And it draws people to Jesus. And then he says, verse number four, how, how happy is the man? Now, I've still not forgot what I said several weeks ago. A good definition of blessed. Some of your translations say, blessed is the man. Happy is the man. How peaceful and how full of well-being is the man. Oh, doesn't that sound good? How peaceful... And how full of well-being is the man who has all the money he needs, who's tall, dark, and handsome, who's got the newest iPhone, who's got all the gadgets in the world, who, who everybody likes. How peaceful and how full of well-being is the man who has put his trust in the Lord, who wakes up and says, I'm not counting on President Obama. I'm not counting on the government. I'm not counting on, on uh, Amax Cole. I, I'm not counting on this. I'm not counting my, listen, I'm banking on God. Who's your banker? Who's your banker? Now, I love Farmer's Bank. I love, you know, my money's there. 
But I ain't counting on Farmer's Bank for my security. Especially what I got in my checking account. It'd be pretty slim security. What are you banking on? Who is your banker? It's got to be God. If you're a Christ follower, listen, He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's in your tomorrows. You can believe and you can count on God. You can't count on stuff. You can't count on this world. You can't count on a company. And for goodness sake, you can't count on the government. But you can count on God. How full of peace, how full of well-being is the man who trusts in the Lord? Who's your banker? Who's your banker? He goes a little bit further. He says these words. And has not turned to the proud or to those who run after Lies. Who's your counselor? When you need wisdom, who do you turn to? It just tickles me. Let somebody get in a dangerous marriage. And the first counselor they seek out is a man or woman who got divorced three weeks earlier. And they're saying, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the right thing. He or she is such a jerk. You're doing the right thing. you got the wrong counselor. See, peaceful... And full of well-being is the person who doesn't run after the wrong counselor. There's, there's ways. Let, let me give you four real quick. Just pop in my head from Warren Wiersbe. You need some advice? Well, the Bible says, be wisdom who you ask. God. Ask God who gives to all men liberally. Okay? But number one, you might want to check out the Bible. You, you might want to check out the Bible. You know, the Word of God. And see what it's got to say about the topic. Now, if you have an algebra problem, maybe the Bible's not your, your thing. But with dealing with matters of God in life, you might ask the Bible. You might get some wise counsel. And for the follower of Christ, that needs to be a brother and sister in Christ that's walking with God and you trust. That's walking with God and you trust. Hey, you might try prayer. You might say, God... I need for you to speak to my heart on this. I need for you to do that. And, and sometimes it's even circumstances. Sometimes God puts circumstances in order in your life and becomes very obvious that He has opened a door. Now, don't walk through every door that's open. But sometimes it's very obvious. So whether it's people or the Word of God or prayer or circumstances, get your advice from good counsel. Get your advice from someone you can trust. Get your ultimate wisdom from God. And we're going to stop at verse number 5. He says, finally, he says, Lord my God. And what popped in my brain that Wednesday night was, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He says, Lord my God. Not a God, not the God. David had an intimate, personal relationship with Creator God. Just like every Christ follower should have and does have today. Lord, my God, you have done many things. And all God's people said, amen. Now listen, listen. If you're here today and I were to say to you, write down ten things that God's done for you semi-recently. I mean, it's cool that when you're four and you pray for a puppy and you got one, that's okay. But think of things, ten things semi-recently that God did for you. And after five minutes, if you're still on number two, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. 
Perhaps you need to readjust the lens of your spiritual eyes to see exactly how God is working in your midst. It was uh, yesterday. Now, you think I'm weird already, so this shouldn't surprise you. I, I, I got light. I mean, you know what I mean? You know, like, I was up to the light. And it's one of those long lights. And, and I guess it was when we were in Evansville. You know how long lights they have in Evansville? You could wait there for days. I mean, no, seriously. I celebrated my birthday before I left Evansville. And by the time I started coming home, I was a year older. They have long lights in Evansville. They really did. But seriously, and this is honest truth. What I'm going to tell you is honest truth. The light turned green, and I was like probably a quarter of a mile back. I'm going, man, you know, stop, go, stop, go. And the light stayed green. Now, can I tell you what I said? I think you heard me out loud. I did. Mary, that's exactly what I said. I said, thank you, Lord, because he knows me real well. He goes, that's silly Dwayne Taylor. He gets so frustrated over long light. I think I'm going to give him a green light today. You, you could think it was just timing. You could think it was in the way the timer was set. I just think God blessed me with a green light. Come on. You need a parking place. And you knew there wasn't going to be one. You're running late for a doctor's appointment. Uh-huh. And guess what? You pull up there, and there's a parking, the number one parking place. Did it ever occur to you that maybe, just maybe, God did something for you? I'm telling you, if we could see with spiritual eyes all that our Father does for us, the first thing was the cross. But He didn't stop there, honey. He, once you trust Christ, He, so many blessings we take for granted of circumstances or the way things go. David says, Lord my God, you have done many things. Your wonderful works and your plans for us. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Let me look you in the eye. Let me look you in the eye. Let me look you in the eye and look you in the eye. Your God is not only for you, He's working for you, and He blesses you every single day. Count your blessings. I'm going to tell you what. If you want something to help you sing the right song... Start looking for the way God's blessed you. It will change your song. You, you might go from singing, Nobody knows the troubles I feel. <laughs> it might just be, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Love lifted me. When nothing else could help, Christ lifted. Count, count your wonderful, your plans. Jeremiah 29, 11. I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And this was written to the nation of Israel when they were in exile. They were disobedient and being punished. And God said, I've got good plans for you. And look me in the eye, my brothers and sisters, God's got good plans for you. You can trust Him. You can trust Him, God. Kids, listen, you can trust Him. Single adults waiting to find the right mate, you can trust Him. He's got good plans for you. Easy plans? I didn't say that. Plans like you won't? I didn't say that. I say He's got plans to prosper you and give you a future. 
God, God has a plan that His children, those who become Christ followers, He's in a process, according to Romans 8.29, to conform you to the image of His Son. That's His plan. His plan is to, to take a look at you. Briggs, don't come up here. I haven't picked on you in a long time. Now, just imagine Brent as a block of wood. <laughs> of all the things I've ever said to you, that has got to be the craziest. Imagine Brent as a block of wood, okay? And let's say I want to make Brent look like Brent. Or let's, shall we say, make him look like Jesus. So what would I knock off a block of wood to make Brent look more like Jesus? Everything that wouldn't look like Jesus. Am I right? Sure. Now, Brent's a man, a good man. And God says, Brent, I don't want you to really look like Brent anymore. I want, to look like, I want you to look more like Jesus. So what's God going to knock off? Anything that doesn't, thank you, brother. Anything that doesn't look like Jesus. That's his plans to prosper you. It's not always that you'll be happy. It's always for your good. And God says, there's a little bit of temper there. There's a little frustration there. There's a little bit of anger there. There's a little bit of sin there. And God knocks it off. I have wonderful things. I have plans for us. None can compare to you, he says. And closes with this thought. If I were to report and speak of them, they are more than can be told. And David says, if I was to write down everything God did for me, it would be a really long sermon. If I was to write everything God did for me, I mean, we believe, according to one of the Psalms, that when David sinned against Bathsheba, there's at least a pretty good chance that's, that God smote David with leprosy. I mean, it's pretty graphic language. But still, David says, if I were to write everything down you did for me, I don't think the book could hold it. In fact, listen to, listen to John 21, then we're done. This is John the Apostle speaking. And there are also many other things that Jesus did, which, if they were written one by one, I suppose not even the world itself could, could contain the books that could or should be written. John said, if I was to write everything that Jesus did, the world could not contain the books. And I'm telling you this, as a Christ follower, if we could see all that God does for our schedule and for our plans and the blessings He sends our way, it would not be a short story. It would be an epic novel. It would be Gone with the Wind. It would be the tale of two cities. It would be war and peace. Massive volumes of blessings. And that is why I hope when you leave here today... That the song in your heart will be not, not, woe is me, I'm so lonesome. What has God done to me? As a Christ follower, my prayer is, is that your song will be, how great is our God. God is so good. And what is your motivation for this message, Dwayne? Well, it's this. Many will see and hear and put their trust in the Lord. So when we show up in two weeks at the block party, Brent, 
And they see this us serving other people with a smile on our face, even when they're rude, even when they don't smell good. And they see us serving them, and they, they hear this song, and they go, these people are just different. What is it? And we get a chance to tell them, it is Jesus. Amen? Amen. I pray you'll do that. Now, real about one minute's worth. Dwayne, that's really nice. Thank you for telling me what I'm missing out by not being a Christ follower. And, and thank you for telling me how God blesses and His plans for people. But, Dwayne, I'm not a Christ follower. What about me? Oh, this is your day. And again, there's nothing magic about a prayer. There's nothing magic about coming forward. But I have a guy down here named Brent Holloway. He's got the answers. And he, he, not that he's that smart. He's just got him from the book. Same way I got him or David got him. And if you would be willing, and I'm everybody bow their heads in a minute, and they're going to be praying and talking to God and stuff. If you would just step out here and say, okay, Brent, I want to know how Jesus can be my Savior. I know he died for me. I think I got that much from the message. But how I can have a right relationship with God. How, how I can experience God's grace. How I can have God on my side. And we'll be more than glad to share with you that incredible truth today. I'm telling you guys, it's a game changer. It doesn't mean you never get sick. It doesn't mean you don't lose your job. I'm telling you, you've got God walking with you every day. You've got God who's in your tomorrows. You've got a God who loves you even when you fall flat on your face. That's pretty incredible. Amen, God's people? Amen. Why don't you bow your heads? Well, Father, thank you so much for letting me share this today. I pray it's been encouragement to some folks. Father, for the ones who are struggling this morning on waiting on you, that's hard. It's hard, God. There's been some things I've prayed about and they're not answered yet. Help us, though, to be strong and courageous. Help us to rest in you and wait expectantly. Father, you're good and you've got plans for us. And we're thankful for that. Father, help us to sing the right song. There's a world out there who's watching and listening pretty closely. And so many have been turned away from you because our song's not right. May we sing your praises. Not Dorsfield's praises. Not praises for any person besides the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, for my friends here today, who may have never trusted Christ. Maybe they're listening on the radio this morning. God, many of us know, a lot of us know, how awesome and incredible you are. And I pray today that through what they've heard or how you've already been working in their lives, that today they would choose to follow you, Christ. You love them. You died for them. May they receive the awesome gift of forgiveness and a right standing with your Father. So have your way, Lord. That's what we prayed earlier this morning. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray you'll find a place where you can work on some hearts today. And Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen.